This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Bear Boat Alaska, a pure DIY hunting game with one of their 37-foot adventure yachts. You and five of your friends can hunt, fish, set crab pots, shrimp pots, and take DIY to the next level. Bear Boat Alaska is locally owned by a Ketchikan resident who lives here year-round. Call Larry at 907-617-4542 or go to bearboatalaska.com. That's B-A-R-E boatalaska.com and tell Larry you heard about it on this podcast. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Does anybody really care about intros? Why do I always say welcome back to the podcast? You just want me to start, so I'll just start. Abby shot her first Sitka Blacktail Buck today. Yep. This morning, rolled out of the tent. There was a little spot down beneath where we were camping that I thought this could might might be some good terrain it's been really hot so they're off the like the top top part of the mountain they're gonna feed down or be down in the timber come up out of the timber in the morning hopefully mm-hmm. there was no fog which i'd kind of hoped for a little bit to keep it cool and keep it moist but uh nothing but there were two does and a little buck and uh he shot him yeah that's about it <laughs> yeah 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 um, yeah then we took care of it and you uh hiked it out it was um i was a little bit worried going to the spot like not having the boat it limits us a lot mm-hmm. so we're on the road system which is fine this isn't uh oh we're just trying to grind away on the road system type thing but it is you do wonder who else has been up there and we were going up on a friday and we saw some boot prints coming down, so we thought, oh, man, you know, maybe they got the weather change. If they hunted the weather change, maybe the stuff's going to be kind of scrambled up. Maybe they're going to be, you know, not really coming out, and especially, you know, mid-August. You know, there's mm-hmm. been people up there for sure. So, you know, it was a good time to hit some of these peaks right at the opener. I have that uh, former student who last year he and his dad shot three bucks. On top of this mountain that you think there's just no way. Like you might luck into one. In fact, they looked into three on opening day. And then this year, I think they got two up there. Same spot. So you think outside of opening day, mm-hmm. what are the chances? Yeah, I mean, I think I was much more worried about the heat. It has just been so hot. And um, hiking up there, we were... I guess I'll speak for myself. I was very sweaty, and I think I complained a lot. I think I was right there too. It was so hot because we got out, went had a good breakfast, just make sure we started off on the right foot, mm-hmm. and then uh, got up there around noonish or so. So kind of the heat of the day, and it was just it was it was humid, so it was super sunny, but just humid. And so as you're walking up. <clears throat> through these the muskegs that are pretty elevated like there's a definite pitch to them mm-hmm. then you get in the woods and it's musky in there and you just it's just damp and you're sweating so much there's no way that yeah. you can replace the amount of water that you lose especially if you're hiking about 2,000 feet in elevation yeah and and not only was it super hot yesterday but it has been i mean hot for over a week now, right? I mean, and it's crazy to think that we live in Southeast Alaska in 
I think, the rainiest city in the United States. And I'm complaining about how hot and sunny it was. It always happens. I I remember growing up on Prince of Wales and, you know, you'd have those really hot days in August when you're having cross-country practice. And you're like, why are we even practicing? It's too hot to run. (laughs) But uh, so so you always have them, like you said. And we get so much of that rain uh, in bunches and in months like October when we get Mm -hmm. over 20 inches of rain or so. Uh, So when you have these long spurts, it's still muddy when you're coming down. But uh, then those things, mm-hmm. you know, the the foliage is foliage is so thick, and we've seen this as we've hiked down a couple of mountains that a deer can get up and feed and never leave the safety and shade of some of that thick, right at the timberline type stuff. Mm-hmm. There's enough there's enough sunlight that gets in there uh, to grow grasses and stuff, and so they can spend the entire day just kind of picking around that stuff if they want to. They don't have to come out if it's really hot. Yeah, and especially, I mean, we were glassing from up in some of the more exposed areas, but it is considerably hotter out there in the sun than it is down in the trees for sure. That's what I was kind of hoping as as the sun got to the afternoon that maybe some of that shady area of the mountain would maybe entice something to come out a little bit earlier. And so I was hoping if sunset was at 8.15 or whatever it was, that, you know, maybe 5.30, maybe 6, something that's been out in the shade for a while, maybe something's going to be enticed to come out. But then you start thinking about, again, the pressure um, and how many evenings over the past three weeks has something come out and either been shot or, you know, got spooked. And so I've kind of learned to um, to stay in there. And sometimes, yeah, I think you kind of, I don't want to say give the animal too much credit, but I think sometimes I definitely overthink myself and think that, oh, they're going to do this because of this. And I'm like, no, they're just going to come out and eat if it's safe. It's it's that simple. I don't have to overthink it. Yeah, well, and it's hard for me to figure out. I mean, obviously there are spots here that get more or less pressure, but how does, I mean, I come, I'm more used to hunting down south, and so... Obviously, the pressure is not like it is down there. So, like, at what point, I guess, are these deer getting enough pressure that they're, like, staying hidden until dark? Yeah. I don't think we're quite there here, but... Yeah, that's the thing, too. It's... You expect to think that... um, Or you expect in Southeast Alaska you to have... You would have that same sort of pressure. Like, there's too much public land. There's Mm -hmm. just too much... But everywhere, it, it doesn't matter if you're in Southeast Alaska on an island, you're still going to run into people who have flown into the same lake, who are hiking yeah. up the same mountain, who have the same program as you. And uh, I've been corked up on a couple of mountains here where we told a couple of guys, my, Ryan and I were up on a mountain. He was uh, archery hunting for a bear and we saw one and we were just kind of planning on where we were going to go. And two Coast Guard guys, and it doesn't matter if they're a Coast Guard, they just happened to be you know, in town, they hadn't been in town very long. We'd talked to them 10 minutes before we saw the bear and they said they were going to go across this other mountain. Like, okay, cool. We can see out of each other's hair. You guys are going there. Great. We're going to plan hunt this. And then they shot that bear with a rifle, like right as Ryan was about ready to go down and stock. Like that's a potentially dangerous situation. You think this sort of things would happen down South, you know, Mm -hmm. which is why you have to wear hunter orange and whatnot, but shoot, it's Alaska. It still happens here. Yeah, well, and honestly, I'm starting to wonder if Alaska needs a hunter orange rule. Um, 
like working for the Forest Service too and just seeing um, when you're out there every day in August and you see how many people are out hunting and you, I mean, we hear gunshots almost every day when we're out, except in really remote areas. And we always are wearing orange vests. Yeah. Um, oftentimes because, um, I mean, so we can find each other in the woods, but yeah. also for for things like hunter safety. So hopefully we don't get bullets flying our way. Yeah. I think in certain areas it would definitely make a lot of sense. Uh, you hear uh, stories about what that 40-mile caribou herd is. Mm-hmm. And just people everywhere and people getting caribou that have already been shot two or three times with small caliber rifles. So people are taking their you know, 223s up there, 243s up there, and they're putting a couple in and the, the caribou's running up and over into someone else's and someone else's hunting area, <laughs> range, whatever, eyesight, and then them, uh, them putting it down. Um, and then also... Um, people camping on ridges and the people walking past them on that ridge to get to mm-hmm. a certain spot and i don't know it's it's public land you could do that sort of stuff there's just well, a lot of people and also i mean if you're gonna wear all camo and have all green colored tents and whatever then i also think it's like well how do you even expect someone to know you're there yeah. like we were saying yesterday, we were like, shoot, we should have set up our tent because that would have let potentially other hunters know, like, hey, we're, yeah. there's other people in this area, which um, you wouldn't necessarily know. I mean, yeah. and it's not to say that we have claimed this mountain. You have to walk back and claim a different one. It's just, hey, we're, if we're here, we're, you can assume that we're going to be hunting this area. So if you want to go to the other side or other face or a different area, then that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. But just there's someone else in this area just so we don't end up in some sort of problem. Ryan and I talked about that with the caribou hunt up north where, you know, three people were hunt were stalking the same caribou. And then when it jumped, I ended up having the best shot of, of everybody. And I'm like, oh, man, if I shoot this way, Ryan's right down there. And if he yeah. shoots up, like, it's just even with archery, like, you, you get yeah. this potential situation. So it's... Um, yeah, we saw a couple other hunters down there. I don't know why they were there where they were. They were really far down on the mountain. It looked like they were in maybe a good rut spot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, who knows what their, how they got back there, what their program was. But, uh, it is weird that we're all kind of friends outside of hunting, but when you get on the mountain or when it comes down to spots, it gets a little bit weird. Um, but yeah, I think certain areas, the hunter orange would probably be a good idea. But uh, yeah, and even if it's uh, not required, like consider wearing something somewhat high vis. Yeah. Uh, I had um, what was I bear hunting archery with Jesse, and I had it was early on in my hunting day, so I didn't have a lot of camo, and I was wearing these. Uh, we'd we'd hiked up there, and so it was just kind of my my camp sweats that were black, and I had on this. Uh, my base layer was black too and we'd set up our tents and we we're just kind of hanging out there and there's a guy across the way who's got his rifle pointed at us i'm like dude so i like i took off my shirt just to kind of say like i don't know how you would mistake a human being next to two tents for a bear but the guy was pointing his rifle 
and Jesse said, "Yeah, he's probably he's probably glassing you. He probably doesn't even have a, a bullet in, but it doesn't matter. Like if you, you yeah, that's not cool. It, it wouldn't even. I, I I don't know if he has a bullet in or not. He might not even have the bolt in. It doesn't matter. Like that, those sort of things really really make you nervous. And I haven't. I just it, I I don't like. No one would like that. Yeah." But, I know. So that's that's yep. the that's the local thing. Um, yeah, it was a fun hunt, and fun hunt. Uh, just yeah, beautiful. Um, other than the thousands of bugs, yeah, and the sun and the pack out. <laughs> yeah, those all make it kind of. It is really nice to be able to have a good hunting spot so close to town. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah, lamenting the fact that there's pressure, but you know it is still Southeast Alaska. And as much as I we just talked about how Southeast Alaska is busy, there's a lot of people, and you can have hunter conflicts. And up north, you have hunter conflicts, or you know a lot of people crowding a certain area. But to be able to drive, you know, on the limited road system we have here in Ketchikan, and be able to then hike up you know, a trail or a road or a whatever to get to these alpine mm-hmm. places is just so cool to do and so mm-hmm. it was sunny and hot but set up the little shelter kind of get out of the, the sun a little bit and i mean if it would have been raining that would have been a different type of miserable like there's always going to be some sort of misery it's going to be too hot maybe too buggy oh. or it's going to be just too wet and slick and coming off the mountain today when you got the heavy pack it's it's so slick as it is. It hasn't <laughs> yeah. even rained in three days. I mean, you're just getting totally yeah. muddy. Yeah. But some spots you just got to sit down and kind of slide in the butt. Yep. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. For anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. I was hesitant about having to get a new phone and a new phone number, but with Mint, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone and your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or for a family, and at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and to get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com/waypoint. That is mintmobile.com/waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com/waypoint. So how do you compare? Like what's uh like your favorite hunt. You've done antelope in Wyoming, elk in Wyoming, mule deer Wyoming, um, blacktail up here. I mean, they're also different. It's hard to um, 
I mean, I guess, like, dear. I don't know. I do enjoy, like, alpine deer hunting where it's kind of like just get up high and just hang out and glass and, um, you know, you can just nap in the middle of the day. It feels, obviously, it's a lot of hard work, but also it's kind of lazy at times. And there's just something nice about it. Um, and... I think elk hunting, I just tend to second-guess myself so much that it can almost become stressful. Antelope hunting just seems like a lot of driving around until you find something you can shoot close to your... Re I mean, I don't know. I haven't done a whole lot of antelope hunting, I guess, but... Um, yeah, the stuff that we did, at least when I was with you, was... I mean, you kind of get the gist of what the program is, and in that spot... <laughs> that hunter management area of just mm -hmm. you just drive back and forth and looking for something or hoping that something comes in and fill this property and then you try to make a move on it but yeah there's not a whole there there's some overlap um i mentioned this before that caribou hunting on the north slope was a lot like antelope hunting and that it's just so flat you're hoping for just one to kind of be there and you think well how am i gonna make a stock on this thing mm -hmm. the elk one i think that's where i second guessed a whole lot i do that with deer hunting up here because we just, there was nothing, like, what tactic do you employ? You know, what's the, the difference between information and knowledge? You've watched YouTube videos, you've read stuff, you've listened to podcasts. So all the stuff you, or a lot of the stuff you know intellectually. But mm -hmm. what am I supposed to do in this moment? Yeah, I mean, I think that's maybe, I would say, a shoe of, like, rut hunting. So deer rut hunting, elk rut hunting, when you don't, necessarily have the visibility you don't necessarily know like was there an animal there that was coming in and I I don't know I just think something about alpine deer hunting is somewhat similar like across geographic areas and it it seems like a lot more physical work but and not to say that we don't second guess the area that we're at or the weather, all that kind of stuff, but it just seems more straightforward. Yeah. I think it is as far as like when to move and when not to move. Mm, yeah. You know, like I want to get, true. I want to see as much, especially on a new mountain, which this one was, I want to see as much mountain as possible, but maybe that's not the right thing to do. Maybe you should just sit mm -hmm. on this one, be totally patient stay hidden and we stayed tucked away when we ate dinner just hoping that that would give things a chance to fully feed out rather than we peek our heads over and they happen to glance up and they're like well we're not coming out now mm -hmm. um but yeah just that second guessing of of what to do when to move when not to and there's always someone who's like oh yeah cover ground cover ground cover ground and other people say oh just stay patient so it's kind of that little bit of both but yeah you're right the the rut brings them a whole different set of set of details and yeah it's it's fun though it's good to get out and kind of solve the equation solve the problem go out there and have some success and you also have the memories of the of the hunt itself just being up there mm -hmm. great exercise you come back you got cravings for burgers and yeah. russian 
dumplings and yeah, lemonade slushies. Lemonade slushies. <laughs> Which I don't know if anywhere in, somewhere in Ketchikan has got to sell one, but yeah, it's probably something that might work. Yeah, but probably not the best thing. Yeah, you can't specialize in something like that. Somewhere like here. No, especially not in a, in a place that's rainy and cold a lot of the time. Yeah, polar treats hangs on. Yeah, that's it's confusing. Been around, it's been around for a long time. There's just enough. They have sandwiches and stuff too, and I think they have wraps and whatnot. So you got, you got okay. sandwiches, wraps, and whatnot. Some of the students talk about it. Then you have other areas like the two places that really like cook and bake, like come to the from scratch. New York Cafe and Fifty Five North. Like those places are legit. Mm-hmm. Fish yeah. has really good fish tacos, but it's like you're getting from scratch cooking at New York Cafe. Yeah, yeah. A lot of other places, it seems like they're just. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to trash on any of them. No. I guess. But. I we we got pretty much whatever you would want, maybe, but. It's, it is an island in southeast Alaska with you know, 10,000 people. You're not yeah. going to get gourmet. You're not going to have a hotbed of chefs. I bet some of the yeah. lodges probably have better food than some of the restaurants. But yeah, yeah it's, probably. It's still, there's definitely places worth eating out, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. You get a, you got a variety of good burgers. Got some good pizza in town. Yeah, I mean, that's like not a roaring endorsement when you're like, oh, you got a variety of burgers. (laughs) Yeah, but they're all good enough to be able to still be in business, which is is pretty cool. That's true. If you want something that's a little bit nicer, there's a couple places that serve stuff a little bit nicer. And then I think just a lot of people, when it comes to seafood and that, just cook it at home. But Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of hoping that uh, that lemonade, frozen lemonade thing, you would have that, that sounded good on the way down. Yeah, I'll have to. We crushed a bag of chips when we got back to the car. Salt. Yeah. We also didn't eat breakfast or drink any water <laughs> before noon. No, pretty. I, I had a little bit of sip. Before I went out of the tent, just because you know you, things can kind of get pretty quick, pretty fast. But yeah, there was really no breakfast, no water that really put things behind. Then you do the hunt, and yeah, you're fighting the bugs, you're taking care of the deer, you're hiking off the mountain, and it's hot. So now you're way off schedule. Body hasn't had water, hasn't had food, hasn't had coffee. It's all jacked up. Yeah, and you're not really trying to stop and make food or anything when you're like well the car's two miles away and then anything you could ever want like yeah yeah you don't want to stop too much the the longer it takes the longer it takes the longer you wait you're not going anywhere when you you stop so little breaks to kind of get your legs back underneath you but yeah you gotta take and you don't want to filter water that then you have to carry down to the car gosh especially well we chugged that bottle of water i know but that was that stinking uh, filter is it's time to get a new one mm-hmm. when that thing it's the the Katahdin Hiker Pro when that thing is new it pumps good water but just a couple too many muskeg ponds uh, 
in the alpine yeah. that thing kind of clogs up pretty quick did on the tundra too bumped on the tundra so mm. yeah you need a new filter makes it a lot more enjoyable or at least tolerable to stop and get water yeah well what else you got about it. it it was fun it. trip yeah um need to do some fishing haven't fished in a little bit yeah but uh silver should be uh are kind of in hoping that they are really start to showing up It'd be good to get out there and get some fish and do some uh, put some fish up we did mostly we did we did half and half half pint and pints when we uh did our light smoke hmm yeah, for and canning. Then, and then uh, put up in mm-hmm. the jars. Candied jalapenos on top. Yeah. Yeah, I think we talked about that last year. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we have to do some of that. It's nice to have those. You just open up the jar. That's what I like about the half pints. You don't have any leftovers. Yeah. You open up sure. a half pint jar. You got some crackers. You got some cheese. Or you just put them on crackers or... Mm-hmm. Mix it with some mayonnaise or something to make a sandwich. There's yeah. no leftovers. Yeah, good stuff. Half pints. It's good. Thinking about doing some uh, pressure cooking some venison. I hear that's really good. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how many more deer we get. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Make sure you check out the MediocreAlaskan.com. Uh, you can head over to uh, Substack from the 49th. I'm doing some uh, writing over there. And um, that'll do it. Thanks for listening.